Romans chapter number 3, and uh, we're uh, down now to verse number 9, and we're, in, uh, we've, we're coming here to the closing arguments um, of not only the defense team, humanity, uh, we saw last time where they literally pull God, pull Paul, put them on the stand, and attack the character, the integrity, the of God himself and, and of Paul there in verse 8 there as we be slanderously reported and as some affirm that we say. And in, in doing that, um, now Paul is going to stand in verse 9 through uh, really verse through 20, but really it's a, a, 19 and 20 are the verdict. So we're going to look at 9 through 18 this morning. And literally Paul is going to stand up now and he's going to give... His closing argument, if you will, closing statement, but yet again, it's one more charge against humanity is really what it is. Chapter 1, God laid out the charges, starting verse 18 down through 32 there. He laid out the fact, proved the fact, really, that man is guilty. By the way, the stuff you see going on today in our society is Romans 1 in play, okay? Professing themselves to be wise, they became what? Fools. Just over the weekend, there was a shooting in that Chop Chaz area up there, and, the, and they would not allow the police or the paramedics to get there and help the guy. They actually literally walked them, you know, <laughs> wouldn't let them in. Finally, after uh, an hour or so, they brought them up to the gate. It's interesting, they don't like walls on our southern border, but yet the first thing they built was a gate around their area and to keep people out. It's like, okay. Anyway, they um, brought him up by private car. Well, now the one kid was, is dead and the other one is in critical condition or whatever. What is that? Professing themselves to be wise, they're really what? Fools. And that's really what you're seeing. So Paul pressed that. God's pressed that. He's concluded. He's made that. Then in chapter 2, the defense team rises and gives out some defense mechanisms about being self-righteous. And, God, and Paul says, no, God's doesn't have God's judgment is equal to everyone he does not respect the person they're guilty then in chapter 2 he goes in and he talks then about to the Gentiles when they claim the ignorance of the law guess what that won't work either you're not ignorant of the law you're doing the law then in chapter 2 he starts then in with the Jews and he says with the Jews you guys had the law, and you still didn't do the law. You broke the law. You had the ceremonies. You had all that. And by the way, they're claiming immunity because we're God's people. And, and, and also, more than the Jews claim that. If you talk to any religious denomination out there, you know what they claim to be? The chosen ones. They claim to be God's people. So not only will the Jews say, hey, we are God, we're really God's people, but also the Gentile, the, the religious guys will say the same thing. And Paul says, no, you, you guys didn't get it. Now, in verse 9, what then are we? That's the Jews back from in chapter, uh, verse 1. What advantage then hath the Jew? Are we better than they, the Gentiles? No and no wise, for we have before proved both Jews and Gentiles that they are all under sin. And again, that's the issue. 
Now he's going to do this. Now Paul, man has had his say. Paul, in writing the book of Romans, talking about the gospel of Christ, coming out of verse 16. That's really what we've been talking about. The first thing he talked about is the righteousness of God in verse 17. Then he talks about the wrath of God in verse 18. And he starts in on laying in the casework against humanity. So in, in all of this that he's, we're moving through here, he says, listen, God has laid out the charges. We've heard man's defense, man's objections. Now, one more time, I'm going to actually literally prove the case with you. And he proves the case, verse 10. As it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. There is none that understandeth. There is none that seeketh after God. They are all gone out of the way. They are together become unprofitable. There is none that doeth good, no, not one. Their throat is an open sepulcher. With their tongues they have used deceit. The poison of asp is under their lips, whose mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Destruction and misery are in their ways. And the way of peace have they not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. Boy, <laughs> if that doesn't describe man to the T, I don't know what does. And Paul, so Paul's verse 9, I'm going to prove this. Verse 10, what are the, what's the beginning phrase? As it is what? Written. Now Paul is going to come and he's going to say, here's the written evidence against humanity. As it is written. And he's literally going to use now Old Testament scriptures, Old Testament passages to prove that, you know what? All are under sin. And again, if you will always remember, the Bible is positive towards who? God. And negative toward who? Man. If you always remember that, the best battle, the best sword, the two-edged sword <laughs> is what? The Word of God. Let's use that. You know, you can come up with, everyone's got opinions about everything. That's why when I sent the email out this past week, we all have different opinions about things. And Romans 14 needs to be kind of our guiding light in some of that thinking about things. But what happens is, is Paul here, as it is written... He's going to use the testimony of Scripture now, written Scripture, against mankind to get down to the bottom end here in verse 19 where he says man is guilty. And the verdict should be guilty. And what Paul is going to prove come there in verse 9 is that the Gentiles continued to sin against the light, the revelation of nature and their conscience, by the way, of understanding between right and wrong. And the Jews, they've continued to sin against the revelation, the light, that the law, the oracles of God, was to bring to them. And then actually when he says, as it is written, Paul is going to really say, hey Jews, the advantage that you had is really your disadvantage, because it says you're guilty. So come over to Galatians chapter 3. So the word of God is what Paul is now going to bring into the situation. And, and I think about Job when the Lord talked to Job and he said, 
your, your three miserable friends, your miserable comfort, who have words of darkness and no knowledge, and you know, the counsel and all that stuff. Paul's just going to come in and say, here's what Scripture says. And you can have all the opinions and the desires you want, but Scripture says this, and this is how, this is the standard. Galatians 3, look at verse 22, if you will. Man, by the way, man's going to do what with Scripture? He's going to dismiss it, right? But in the end, it's going to be the word that says man is a sinner. And, and you know, I think it's good to know up front how you're going to be judged, you know? Galatians 3, verse 22. But the Scripture hath concluded all under sin, that the promise by faith of Jesus Christ might be given to them that believe. What has the Scripture concluded? All under sin. Okay? So as it is written, so Paul's going to come back with me to Daniel chapter 7. Paul's going to say, here's, here's the written evidence against you, against humanity. And he's going to open up the word of God, and he's going to allow, he's going to let the word of God testify against man. Daniel chapter 7. And I'll be honest with you, it is a good, I think this is a show of the, the wonderful grace and mercy that, that God Almighty has, and that he is telling man, this is how I'm going to judge you. Just like, you know, us believers, we have the judgment seat of Christ, and we can look at that, and we can study what's going to be reviewed, and we can make sure our lives are matching in those areas. He does the same thing with sinners. Daniel 7, verse 10 a fiery stream issued and came forth before him. Thousands and thousands ministered unto him, and ten thousand times ten thousand stood before him. The judgment was set, and the books were opened. And you go to Revelation 20 and verse 12, and what, when we talk about the, the great white throne judgment, and what's open? The books, you remember that? Go back over there, Revelation 20. You got to think about this. Here you have God Almighty in his mercy, long suffering, forbearance, grace, however you want to say it. And he says, You know what he says to man? Here's how I'm going to judge you. We're going to open the book. Revelation 20, verse 12. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God. And the books were open. And another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their works. I think the judge, his wrath, his judgment, come back to Romans 3, all based upon as it is written. You know, today, <laughs> you know, Paul says, Today is the day of salvation, right? Don't wait. Don't put it off. Why? Because one day, what's going to happen? You're going to be judged. This is how you're judged. One day, he's going to open those books. And when he opens the books, he's going to lay out your deeds, that issue of perfect righteousness needed, the, whole, the righteousness of God, the, his holiness, 
his integrity, his justice demanding that perfect righteousness. And guess what's going to happen? You're not going to match it. That's why 2 Corinthians 5.21 where he says, And we were made righteous at the end of that verse. Okay, he who knew no sin was made sin so that we could be what? Made righteous. What did he do? When we trusted Calvary, he gave us his righteousness. He imputed his righteousness to us. So the justice of God says, you know what? They have perfect righteousness in Christ, so here's eternal life. Here's your reward. Here's your verdict for mankind as it is written. So Paul's going to let God's word prove the case out. And, and again, he starts in verse 9. Are we, the Jews, better than they? Well, what advantage had the Jews had? We've, we've looked at it. They had every advantage. And the main advantage, verse 1 and 2, was that they had the word of God already. They already understood this. This is why Paul uses, in verse 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, he uses Old Testament passages. Because the advantage was who? The Jews. They had the word of God. And literally their advantage became their very undoing. Look over, look back with me at, uh, well, just stay here. Back there in Luke 18 with the Pharisee or, and the publican. And we talked already about the Jews say what? I'm not a sinner. And what did that publican do? What did he say? I'm a sinner. Standing before the mercy seat. I'm a sinner and I cry mercy. And the publican sit over there and put his little puny chest out and says, nope, you know. I'm okay. I, I tithe on this and I do that. And I, all the f- traditions of the fathers. And yet would that publican say, no, I'm a sinner. And I cry mercy. Verse 9, 3, 9. Paul, we're going to prove, no and no wise, for we have before proved I love that before. This is already a done deal. He's been marching down through the court case, chapter 1, chapter 2, chapter, first part of 3. What is he doing? Every time the, the defense would stand and argue a self-righteousness or immunity or ignorance, Paul then does what? He stands right up and says, no, God's not a respecter of person. You're guilty because by nature you did the deeds of the law. You're guilty because you teach and do and you're supposed to do all this and yet you blaspheme the name of God before the Gentiles. You're guilty. We've before proved. You know, I I, I think sometimes Paul would have just liked to have stood up and said, uh, we rest. (laughs) But he doesn't. One, here's the written exam. You'll notice verse, he says that we proved that all are under sin. Verse 23 For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Now, you'll notice something very careful in verse 9, comparing it with verse 23. All is all. That's everybody. Jew, Gentile, he got them all. But notice at the end of verse 9, it says under sin. In verse 23, he says have sinned. Those are different, okay? Because when you talk about under sin, and you're talking about have sin or to be a sinner. Those are very different. When he says under, chapter 6 and verse 14, 
he says, For sin hath not, uh, shall not have dominion over you, for ye are not under the law, but under grace. That issue of under, in 3.9, all are under sin. And what he's proving out is that issue of under. The, what controls you? Under. The issue of control, power, dominance. What's controlling you? What's, what is the case? What he's proving is, is that everybody is what? Under the sin. Okay? Under the control of sin. Uh, are you still in 6, Romans 6? If not, go to 7, chapter 7. <laughs> Romans 7, verse 14. For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am carnal, sold, what? Under sin. You see, now that's Paul talking about a believer. And he still says, what do I have a propensity to be, even as a believer? Under the control of sin, because I've made decisions to allow my sin nature to control me. I haven't li I'm not living in my identity of chapter 6. I'm living over here carnal, sold under sin. Everybody is enslaved to the sin nature. You see, in 3.9, when he says we've proved all are under sin, he doesn't say they're all are sinners. That's what he says in verse 23. He says, listen, we're proving that everybody, all of humanity, is controlled and has, is dominated by sin. Sin rules and controls and dominates and influences and regulates you. So there's a potential to have the rule and the tyranny of sin in our lives. Now, as believers... What do we learn in 6? We don't have that identity. We have a new identity in Christ. We've been freed from sin. That's why he says in verse 14, we're not under the law, we're under grace. Why? Sin will not have dominion over you when you live where? As who you are in Christ, under grace. If you go back underneath that law system, you've just sold yourself right back into the slave market, if you will, of sin. So when you come back to 3.9, when he says we've proved that they are all under sin, they're under the tyranny of the sin nature. That's why I told you last couple times, this issue about when we talk about circumcision, it's a hard issue. It is not, Paul is not talking about the physical issues. He's talking about the heart issue. What is going on inside of you? That's why most believers, most people who, who get saved, struggle with sin. Because they quit reading Romans after chapter 5. They didn't go into chapter 6 and see the identity, that cope, death, burial, and resurrection, that identity that we have in Christ. So then, then they can come over here and be freed from that old sin nature. You didn't lose it. You don't lose it till you die or the rapture comes. It's still there. You just don't feed the guy, <laughs> you know. And by the way, I, I'm, <laughs> I think about that with us. And, and, you know, we get wound up real quick about a lot of things. And when you stop, I mean, NASCAR, right? One of my favorite little, mm, just I just, I don't know what it is. Left turns are just beautiful. 
I tell you what, when I drove the school bus, left turns were my best turns. I loved them, okay? One, it's got more room to move that big, the rear end of that bus around the corner <laughs> than a right turn. But you know what? what? They come out with some mandates about the flags and stuff. But you know what got me wasn't the Confederate flag thing. What got me was that they said they took away the national anthem issues because they were the one of the last few that said you had to stand. You could not kneel. You stand out of respect. They did away with that. And I'm like, okay, I'm done. I just, I'm done. Now, hockey is the last college football will not play as long as the students are not on campus. That's an NCAA regulation, okay? So and when the students come back, then college football, the college stuff can go. Until then, unless the NCAA changes, their regulation is because it's a student athlete. They have to attend classes a certain amount of hours per week to be eligible to play in the sports. Okay, follow that? So I'm still holding on to college Alabama, okay? But the last one is hockey. And I don't think they can mess with hockey because of the Canadians, but who knows? You never know. I was doing all that so you could get back to Romans 3, okay? I don't know. I, you think about, I know what I was doing it for. We have that potency to do what? Scream and yell and get up and jump up and down and do everything. And then when you get done, you know what? You're exhausted and you go, why did I do that? Because in the scheme of what we understand that God's doing today and the knowledge of the sound doctrine, you know what? It's like, okay, well, I just, well, anyway. I don't know. I, I'm with you guys, okay? You guys sometimes might think I don't think about some of this stuff, but I do <laughs> because I, I'm, I'm as human as you are, you know. Romans 3. Paul is going to prove. So he starts in verse 10. And he's going to do a list here. Now, I, sometime you ought to go and look at all of Paul's list. He makes lists. And they're very. And he doesn't just throw stuff together. If you, if you look back at chapter 1, there's a list in chapter 1. Really, it starts in verse 24, where you have God giving man up, okay? And then in verse 26, God gave them up. So we're losing our spirit, soul, and body here, okay? Verse 27, he gave them, or verse 28, he gave them over. Verse 29, being filled with all unrighteousness. And then he lays out the list that ends up with verse 32 being the condition of the degenerative nature of sin. So it starts out here as just a little piece of candy, and it ends up eating the whole box, taking the whole box. His lists are always that way. They're very specific. They are designed, come back to chapter 3, they're, very, they're designed to take you from one component, a, the lighter, the lesser evil, if you will, like in chapter 1, down to the worst, in verse 32, which is not only are they doing it, but they're enjoying you doing it with them. Okay? Now, when you come into chapter 3, he starts the list here, 
in verse 10, and there is a legal progression through verse 18 that Paul is going to take us through now to prove the case. Verse 10, as it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. There is none that understandeth, there is none that seeketh after God. He is now, in those two verses, he begins to address man's character. Then in verse 12, down to verse 18, verse 13, their throat, their tongues, their lips. Verse 14, their mouth. Verse 15, their feet. Verse 18, ultimately, there's just not a fear of God anymore. Now he's going to deal with man's conduct. So he starts with man's character. Verse 10 and 11. And again, he's going to deal in verse 10 and 11 with the spirit, the soul, and the body of man. Then in verse 12, he's going to deal with their conduct, their activity, their throat, their tongue, their mouth, their lips, their feet. And he's getting all the way down so that he can, verse 9, here, verse 10, as it is written, here's the evidence. You see what's happening here. Verse 10, the first issue. There is none righteous, no, not one. Man is naturally evil. Man's spirit, this is what he's doing. By the way, God always talks about man in spirit, soul, and body order. Satan and man, natural man, starts with body, soul, and spirit. God says, no, we're going to deal with the spirit and the soul and the body. The first one, man is naturally evil. He's absent of any righteousness by character. There is none righteous, no, not one. They're rotten to the core to begin with. Then in verse 11, there is none that understandeth. Man is naturally stupid, ignorant. <laughs> we don't use the S word. Ignorant. Okay? They're naturally ignorant. Then he says, there is none that seeketh after God. The body is naturally, what? Rebellious. A rebel. So your man's humanity's spirit, no righteousness, dead. Their soul is darkened and ignorant. There's no light in it. And their body is rebellious. None that seeketh. They're going to go do their own thing. Your flesh is a hog, a pig. Feed me, feed me, feed me. Doesn't care where it goes, doesn't care what it eats, just naturally pushes that way. Now watch verse 12. They are all gone out of the way. They've strayed because of who they are. They're dead, they're darkened, and they're rebellious. Another D would be depraved, depravity of man. There, if you need the Ds, okay? <laughs> Three Ds. Beats two Ds any time, right? <laughs> they are all gone, a lost cause. Man's gone. Chapter 1, three times, what did God do? God gave them up, gave them over, gave them up, let them go. God has let man run. That's why he says they're gone out of the way. 
There's a wonderful thing in Acts called, where, and you should study it out sometime, where he calls it the way. Paul persecuted the, of that way. And he'll stand before the council and he'll say, I persecuted the way. Now, it just says the way. It's no capitalized or anything. I'm talking about the, God's people. Look, folks, they're gone out of the way. They're wayward. They're lost. There's no spiritual direction. They have no moral compass. They have no spiritual compass. They're gone out of the way. They are together become unprofitable, useless. There is none that doeth good, no, not one. They're corrupt. Isn't it great to be man? <laughs> you see, God, in response to being put on the stand and accused and interrogated about his character, he now is telling man, what, 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 here's reality. It isn't me, it's you. This is who you are. Verse 13, their throat, their throat. He's going to get real personal real quick here, okay? Their throat is an open sepulcher with their tongues. They have used deceit. The poison of asp is under their lips, whose mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. Notice the progression. The throat to the tongue under the lips and out of the mouth. We used to say grace and, you know, uh, over the lips and past the gums, look out stomach, here it comes. Well, this is coming the other way. And what he's describing is he's telling you and he's describing for us, the believers, but also for man, the route of the, of the decay of man, of the breaking down of man. It comes from where? inside what's going on in their heart see this is that heart issue push again their throat right here what comes up out of the throat what's going on inside of you you know that time when you sit in the car and you just cuss them out because you'd like to cuss them out for a change don't, don't, I, don't look at me like shocked I know you because I'm the same way you just give them you know there were days I would drive the school bus get that last load of Wonderful kids off. Pull over, do my, do my job, check, make sure everybody sit down and just scream. Just let it loose. You know? And then when I had the motorcycle accident, I'd come home and Linda's like, what's wrong with you? I said, I have no place to scream. Because <laughs> I'd get on the motorcycle and just scream. Let it out. You know, there you go. See, Paul said it. Wouldn't have said it like that, but that's what he, okay. But see, the thing is, is where does that come? That's what God's proving. Look, this stuff is coming. There's none good. No, not one. There's none of you guys out there are good. You're rotten to the core. Verse 15, their feet are swift to shed blood. Woohoo. Ain't that the truth is right. Murderous. You know the first murder in the Bible? Cain and Abel. Actually, it was with Lucifer. Murder. 
He, oh, the Lord says over there, the, the ground is crying out your brother's blood, shed blood. Don't be surprised when they're killing people. That's who they are. Verse 16, destruction and misery are in their ways. Look, every history tells and proves every time man's tried to have a utopia, you know what's happened to it? It's ended up in the, in the ditch and in, the, in the, in down at the dump. Why? Because man, uh, what are they? They're no good. They're rotten. I was interesting when that stuff in Seattle started and they had the one guy kind of taking the lead and then they were talking to other people. You know, you see the little video clips start popping up and they're like, he's not our leader. I don't know who said he could be our leader. And then they had a little thing about all these people had their turn to say. And I said, look at the chaos. And they have, this was night one. Chaos. Verse 17, and the way of peace have they not known. No peace. If you gave man what man wants, you hear them yelling, we want this, we want that. Doesn't matter who. They will want what? More. Right? More and more. Verse 18, there is no fear of God before their eyes. And that's why they're in the condition they're in. Now what God is, God's done messing around here. I, I hope you get the feel. You know, I was studying this during the week and, uh, and I was like, you know, this is ironic that this passage comes up in the middle of everything that we see going on in our country. And uh, he's not messing, but you know what, it's all, this has always been here. This doesn't have a date of 2020 on it. It's got a date of a little early, a little later, a little older. It was, written, it was settled in heaven a long time ago, okay? God's, he's done messing around, no more. And what he literally does here is he exposes man for who they really are. You want to call me on the stand? That's fine. I can stand your judgment. But it, now it's my turn to call you. And you know what? You ain't got a leg to stand on. Okay? Now, in 10 to 18, Paul quotes a lot of Old Testament scripture. I just want to go back and give them to you, if we can, until we got 20 minutes or so. Come back with me to Psalms chapter 14. So, 310. I, what I want to do is read you Romans 3, verse, like verse 10, then we'll go look at the Old Testament passage, okay, until we run out of time. 310 says, as it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. So look over with me at Psalms 14. And <clears throat> I'm not giving you every one of them, but we're giving you a good chunk of them. Hang on here. Psalms 14. Okay, you got Psalms 14? Run back, all right, Psalms 14, verse number 1. The fool has said in his heart, there is no God. They are corrupt, which have done abomination, abominable works. There is none that doeth good. The Lord looked down from heaven upon the children of men to see if there were any that did understand and seek God. They are all gone aside. 
They are all together become filthy. There is none that doeth good, no, not one. So we cover a good chunk of verses right there, don't we? All right. Look over with me at Psalms 39. <clears throat> Psalms 39. Now we're talking about Psalms, or Romans 3.10 still, okay? Psalms 39, and look at verse number 5. This is a verse that you ought to remember when you're dealing with, with man, with men, with, uh, and I'm, I should say, well, with man. <laughs> Behold, thou hast made my days as a handbreadth, and mine age is as nothing before thee. Watch this. Verily, every man at his best state is altogether, what? Vanity. When you think you're standing there and you got it all together, and you're in your best state, you know what God says? It's useless. It's empty. It's vain. That's why the, the, come on over to Psalms 53. That's why that little mirrored section in the bathroom is called a vanity, where the ladies put the makeup on. It's vain. It's van, it's, it's, it's empty. Psalms 53, verse 1, The fool have said in his heart, There is no God. Corrupt are they, and have done abominable iniquity. There is none that doeth good. Hold on to Psalms, come back to chapter 3 of Romans. There is none righteous, no, not one. Verse 11, he says, There is none that understandeth, there is none that seeketh after God. Obviously, we were there in Psalms 14, we saw that. Come over to Isaiah chapter 9. Where, where, those, where these verses kind of overlapped, I tried to go get another verse for you, okay? So, Isaiah chapter 9. Isaiah 9, so for Romans 3, verse 11, Isaiah 9, verse 13. Isaiah 9, 13, For the people turneth not unto him that smiteth them, neither do they seek the Lord of hosts. There is none that understandeth, there is none that seeketh after God. Isaiah 31, Isaiah 31, in verse 1, I'll be honest with you, in my notes, in my Bible, I don't, I don't list all these. I only have one. <laughs> because usually in the time of argument with someone, you only got one time for one verse. And I use Psalms 14, 1 to 3 because it's there, and they, it nails them pretty good between the eyes. But I give you, you, I give you a, a thousand rounds of ammo. You pick the ones you want to keep, okay? <laughs> uh, Isaiah 31, verse number 1. Woe to them that go down to Egypt for help and stay on horses and trust in chariots because they are many and in horsemen because they are very strong. But they look not unto the Holy One of Israel, neither seek the Lord. Now Isaiah, he's talking a lot about Israel. But what is Israel doing? Same thing man does. Why? Because Israel's man. They're humanity. They're the sons of Adam, just as you and I are. They don't, they don't have immunity. That's what chapter 2 was proving in Romans. They're just as guilty as the Gentiles are. They just have an advantage. They, shouldn't, they had the word, they should know better, okay? But guess what? They don't seek the Lord either. They're just as bad. All right, uh, go back to Psalms 53. Uh, uh, chapter 3, verse 12, they're all gone out of the way. They're all uh, together become unprofitable. There's none that doeth good, no, not one. 
You can write down Psalms 53, verse 1 for that one. Uh, we've already read that. Uh, come over to Psalms 5. Psalms 5. Here's chapter 3, verse 13. Here's the throat. Okay? Here's the throat. Uh, in Romans 3.13, he says, Their throat is an open sepulcher. Psalms 5 and verse number 9. <clears throat> For there is no faithfulness in their mouth. Their inward part is very wickedness. Their throat is an open sepulcher. Their flatter, they flatter with their tongue. You go over there and you read later in Psalms, he's talking about the Antichrist, and he says, his speech is as smooth as butter. Roman, uh, Psalms 5, verse 9, that's, that's for uh, Romans 3.13, for the throat. In Romans 3.13, there's a tongue issue. Come over to Jeremiah, Jeremiah chapter 9. Jeremiah chapter 9, about the, the tongue. Jeremiah chapter 9. By the way, I'm trying to stay as much as possible out of the Proverbs because Proverbs is full of throat, tongue, lips, mouth, all of this. Okay, so you go down through Proverbs on your own. I'll give you some Proverbs stuff here in a minute. But uh, I, you just need, I'm trying to give you some stuff outside of Proverbs, all right? Jeremiah 9, verse 3 through 5. We're talking about the tongue. Jeremiah 9, verse 3. And they bend their tongues like their bow for lies. But they are not valiant for the truth upon the earth, for they proceed from evil to evil, and they know not me, saith the Lord. Take ye heed every one of his neighbor, and trust ye not in any brother. For every brother will utterly supplant, and, and every neighbor will walk with slanders, and they will deceive every one his neighbor, and will not speak the truth. They have taught their tongue to speak lies and weary themselves to commit adultery. Isn't that interesting? I'm, I'm sorry, iniquity. Iniquity, sorry. Same thing. Okay, Whew, thanks. <laughs> Notice that. They bend their tongue like a bow for what? For lies. That tongue is a wicked piece of your body can rip things up shred it quick come over to James chapter 3 James chapter 3 just for and verse 8 James 3 verse 8 ta still talking about the tongue James 3 verse 8 but the tongue can no man tame it is an unruly evil full of deadly poison if that's not what it is I don't know what else is. All right, how about the lips? Let's talk about the lips. Pucker up. Deuteronomy 32. The li their lips. Deuteronomy 32. Their lips, the poison of asp is under their lips. That's Romans 3.13. Deuteronomy 32, verse oh, 33. 32.33, Deuteronomy. Their wine is the poison of dragons and the cruel venom of asp. Okay? That's what their lips. If you read this passage and you study it out, he's talking about Baal worship and, and the infiltration it has had. It is now literally going to become the national religion of Israel. 
It'll leave, Israel will leave the, the worship of, of, of the true God of Israel and will now become worshiping of the Baal system and, and a counterfeit program. Their rock is not as our rock, he's already told, told them. Uh, verse 31 there, for their rock, notice lowercase r, is not as our rock, capital R. Who's that? Who's the rock? Paul calls, says that's Christ. See, they're following a false god. They're following a false religion. And you know what? Their wine is the poison of dragon and the cruel venom of asp. You, you go back up there in verse 32. For their vine is the vine of Sodom, the fields of Gomorrah. Their grapes are grapes of gall. Their clusters are bitter. And you go over to Psalm 16 and you study that out when this is going to happen. And they're literally drinking blood from blood sacrifices of humans. Where they're taking in the tribulation period, and they're taking those people that are standing for the word of God, for standing in true Israel, and they're over there, the overcomers, they're beheading them in a ceremony in the temple, run that chalice up underneath that blood draining out there, and they offer it for, for, for blood uh, drink in their sacrifice, and it's human blood, and they're killing them, they're killing their neighbors, and they're doing it all in the name of God. That's why Jesus says, I know, they say, hey, we, we did all these miracles in, for, in your name. He goes, I don't know you. Depart from me, you commit iniquity. See, they're doing it because God told us to do it. Their lips, they got them. Psalms 140. Psalms 140. Tell you what, folks, man's pretty bad. You thought you were doing good this morning. I just rained down on you, didn't we? Sorry. Psalms, I didn't do it. God did it. <laughs> I'm just reading his book. Psalms 140. Still, again, about the lips. Verse number 3. Psalms 140, verse 3. They have sharpened their tongues like a serpent. Adder's poison is under their lips. Selah. By the way, that's the second passage we've seen that word selah come after which is that indication of, hey, we're talking about second coming, tribulation, 70th week of Daniel stuff. And there it is. All right, Romans 3, verse 14, you've got the mouth. Uh, quickly, Psalms uh, chapter 10. Psalms 10. Psalms chapter 10. <clears throat> Psalms 10. I got to get there. Come on. There we go. Psalms 10 and verse number 7. Psalms 10, verse 7, talking about the mouth from Romans 3, 14, okay? Psalms 10, verse 7, His mouth is full of cursing and deceit and fraud. Under his tongue is mischief and vanity. There it is. Under his tongue, out of his mouth is full of cursing and deceit and fraud. By the way, the cursing there is not using the four-letter words and all that gutter talk. The cursing there is taking the Lord's name in vain. The cursing there is rejecting who the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob are, is. Okay? That's the cursing there. It isn't, oh, you know, you know all that stuff, F-bomb. No, that's just stupidity. The cursing here is very specific to what's going on. Uh, Psalms 59. Psalms 59. Whew. I tell you what, folks. This passage is a great preaching passage. Scorch, scorch, scorch the earth with it. It really is. And I thought about doing it with you, but then I'm like, nah, I'll just give it to them and take it easy on them today. Psalms 59. You're welcome. 
Psalms 59, verse 7 and 8. Psalms 59, verse 7. Behold, they belch out with their mouth. Words are in their, I'm sorry, swords are in their lips. For who, say they, doth hear? But thou, O Lord, shalt laugh at them. Thou shalt have all the heathen in derision. That boy are Psalms 2. But what, notice verse 7. Behold, they belch out with their mouth. <laughs> yeah, they're just blah. You know? I was watching the little, little guy the other Monday night. They fed him and he, and he burped. And you know what else came up? Some of what they fed him. Just blah. All over Jordan's shirt. Poor, he's like, this is the only shirt I have with me. I'm like, well, you're a dad. He goes, oh, I'm, you know, I'm okay. <laughs> you know, just belch it out. And you know what the Lord does? He just laughs at them. Okay, that's the mouth. Uh, feet. Let's go to Proverbs. We'll get you a Proverbs one now. Proverbs chapter 1. Proverbs chapter 1. You got the feet. Proverbs 1. Uh, this is uh, Romans 3, verse 15. Sorry, I'll give you the right one. Romans 3, verse 15. He says, their feet are swift to shed blood, destruction and misery are in their ways. That's 3, 15 and 16. Uh, Proverbs 1, verse number 16, talking about their feet. For their feet run to evil and make haste to shed blood. That's what they're doing. Come on over to Isaiah 59. Isaiah 59. And feet and destruction and shedding of blood. Isaiah 59. Isaiah 59. Isaiah 59, verse 7. Their feet run to evil, and they make haste to shed innocent blood. Their thoughts are thoughts of iniquity. Wasting and destruction are in their paths. Isn't that interesting? So there's your feet. Now, verse 17 of Romans 3 says, And the way of peace have they not known. You're in Isaiah 59. Look at verse 8, the very next verse. The way of peace they know not. There is no judgment in their goings. They have made them crooked paths. Whosoever goeth therein shall not know peace. Come back to Isaiah 57, just back a couple chapters. Verse 21, There is no peace, saith God, to the wicked. So when they say no justice, no peace, they have no clue what they're talking about when they say that. Okay? That was Isaiah 57, verse 21, and Isaiah 59, verse 8. Then in verse 18, and this is the big one, there is no fear of God before their eyes. Uh, come back to Psalms 36. This is the main verse that I like to use. Uh, Psalms 36... And then Psalms 36 and verse 1. Psalms 36, 1. The transgression of the wicked saith within my heart that there is no fear of God before his eyes. No fear. Um, you're in Psalms. Okay. You know what the fear of God, come over to Proverbs 1. When they say that, 
and it says there is no fear. They have no fear. Look at Proverbs 1 and look at verse 7. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of what? Knowledge. But fools despise wisdom and instruction. You see, having the fear of the Lord brings you to what? Wisdom, knowledge, understanding. You come over in Proverbs, you come over to chapter 8. Chapter 8 and verse 13. The fear of the Lord is to hate evil, pride and arrogance, and the evil way and the forward mouth do I hate. You see what the fear of the Lord produces? It produces a hatred for all that iniquity stuff, the evil. Chapter 9 of Proverbs. Chapter 9, verse number 10. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the holy is understanding. See, that's what, when they say there is no fear of God in them, guess what they're lacking now, spiritually? They're lacking a connection a moral compass back over here, a spiritual compass to God. It's gone. Chapter Proverbs here still, 16, I think it is. Proverbs 16, verse 6. By mercy and truth, iniquity is purged, and by the fear of the Lord, men depart from evil. Man, you know what happens when man understands that they're going to sit in judgment of, of a true and holy and righteous God? I don't know about you, but I've heard people's testimonies about getting saved because they didn't want to go to hell. Now, we come to understand there's more to it than that on the other side. But man, better be hell scared than hell scorched, it's always been said. See? That's the fear of the Lord, is the beginning of wisdom and knowledge and understanding. Um, let's see, how many more can we go do? Ecclesiastes, on your way, uh, oh, you're in Proverbs, right? Ooh, yeah, let's do it. Ecclesiastes 12. Ecclesiastes 12. Ecclesiastes, Solomon has been out now on his human wisdom drunkenness. He's been out, he's looked at every... Every philosophy out there that is known to man, he's done looked at, evaluated, surveyed, delved down into it. Smartest man, wisest man, to, not, the, not the smartest man, but the wisest man ever to live. And you know what he says in 12 verse 3? In the day when the keepers of the house shall tremble. Oh, that's not the word, that's not the one I was looking for. How about verse 13? There you go. Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. What's the whole duty of man? Fear God, number one. Keep his commandments, number two. Fear God. You go over there in Revelation. Oh, boy, you've got to look at this. Come on. Come on. Revelation 14. We're not done yet. I'll, give you, I'll read the Revelation 14. Verse number six, I tell you what, you know what Solomon concluded? The duty of, God, of man is to fear God and keep his commandments. But first is to do what? Fear God. Why? Because the fear of the Lord brings what? Wisdom and understanding and knowledge and the ability to keep the commandments. Revelation 14, verse six, 
John writes, And I saw another angel fly in the midst of heaven, having the everlasting gospel, to preach unto them that dwell on the earth, to every nation and kindred and tongue and people, saying with a loud voice, what? Fear God and give glory to him. For the hour of his judgment has come, and worship him that made heaven and earth and the sea and the fountains of waters. You know what, you know what man's to do? Fear God. In the tribulation, out there in the 70th week of Daniel, right before the judgment of God is poured out, the angel goes up there to the Gentile nations of the world, and he preaches another gospel to them, other than Paul, Galatians 1. And you know what he says? You better fear God the Creator, and you better come and worship the Creator, because he's about to rain down some, some judgment on your head. Here it comes. Now, so fearing God is the, that's the last straw in this digression, the legal procedure here. Um, come back to Psalms, but go to Job 28. We got Job 28, verse 28. Now I got to check it and make sure it's right. Job 28, 28. Yep, we got a 30 seconds. Job 28, 28. And unto man he said, Behold, the fear of the Lord, that is wisdom, and to depart from evil is understanding. If you write down, well, go to Psalms 19. I'll just, we'll just do them so you read them. Psalms 19, Psalms 19 and verse number 9. Psalms 19 <coughs> and verse number 9. 19.9. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteousness altogether. Psalms 111, 111, 111, and verse 10. Psalms 111, 10. 111, verse 10. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. A good understanding have all that they, they do. His commandments, his praise endureth forever. 112, verse 1. Praise ye the Lord. Blessed is the man that feareth the Lord, that delighteth greatly in his commandments. All right, back to Romans 3. Paul dumps on them a lot of Old Testament passages. One, because it's Old Testament because the Jews are what? That's what, that's what they had. And he's proved to the Jews, your advantage is really your undoing because you had all this and yet you still didn't believe. Now in verse 19 and 20, we'll get them next week. Here's the verdict. The judge is going to speak now. He's had enough and he's going to give them the case. Okay? So we'll do that next time, uh, 19 and down through, all right? You see what's going on here? Paul nailing them, boom. Now, I give you all those verses if you, so you can pick out a few to handle. You know, like I said, I, I usually just keep a couple. I don't run all those because it's just overwhelming. But when you're dealing with people, sometimes you only get a chance to give them one. So pick it good, <laughs> okay? All right, Dearly Father, we thank you for the morning, Lord. We thank you for your word for the study of it, for the look into the judgment issues here so that we, as we deal with, for, with the unsaved world, that we can then understand why they say what they say and do what they do so that we can then go and appropriately, using your word, deal with them for your praise and for your honor and for your glory. Amen. All right, we'll see you back at 11. Remember to practice social, physical distancing.